Good morning, everyone. Oh, hey, there's people out here now. What a, what a coincidence. It's so good to be back. I enjoy being at church. I enjoy seeing your faces. There's one person that's really excited to be here. Even on a rainy day, it's nice to be at church again, so welcome back, guys. I just, I can't get over it. You guys look good, so... Uh, so today we're going to be starting a new series called Designed for Purpose. And in this series, we want to talk about how it looks like for a person to really be used to the full by God and how he wants to lead them, guide them, teach them, all those kinds of things. So we're really excited. I'm really excited. You guys don't have to be excited uh, yet, but you'll get there. So if you guys wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Today we're going to be talking about Saul, and he is not exactly a great example of a person that was used for God's purposes, except for how God wanted to use him, not how Saul wanted to be used. So if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15, um, there is a table of contents in the beginning of your Bible. If you don't know where 1 Samuel is, it's okay to use that. So once you find 1 Samuel 15, if you wouldn't mind going ahead, one of the ways we like to show respect to God's word here at Pathway is to stand in, in reading of his word. And today we're going to be reading quite a section, quite a big section. So if you do get tired, feel free to sit down. It's okay. Uh, but that's a pretty American thing if you do. All right, so here we go. We're going to start in verse 1 here of 1 Samuel chapter 15. You guys can be seated. Was that a marathon for some people? It was, it was a marathon for me. You don't realize how long some of these verses can get until you start reading them in front of a crowd of 200 people. Uh, and so, guys, this is an amazing passage of God telling Saul, King Saul, uh, to go and destroy a people. And, and the important thing to know is we have a choice in our lives to either follow God's will or to live under our own rule. Uh, living for ourselves is not the best way to go about life because God desires us to follow him. When we choose not to uh, follow him, there are consequences to that choice. And we're going to talk about these consequences a lot later. Uh, but guys, Every choice you make, every decision that we make in life has a consequence. We all go through these consequences. And so Saul went into this uh, mission from the Lord, uh, what I like to call half-cocked. He, he wants to go in and do the word, work of the Lord, but he doesn't fully do the work of the Lord. It, God told Saul to wipe the Amalekites out completely, everybody. Uh, and not only just every person, but their sheep and their oxen and everything. He wanted them gone off the face of the earth. And, and we, again, in our society, we, we hem and haw and whine and cry about how that's hate and all these kinds of things. But the truth is, guys, we're going to see the consequences of not doing that. Uh, hundreds of years later, I believe it's about 500 years later, uh, that, that there's consequences to what Saul does right here that we read about. It's interesting to me that Saul does kill all the things that are counted as despised and worthless. Uh, he, he gets rid of all the things that nobody wants, or all the people that nobody wants, but he keeps the best people and animals for himself. He wants to build, the idea here, guys, is he wants to build glory for the kingdom of Israel, and, and in doing so, bring, uh, bringing glory to his name. 
who he is. He wants to bring glory to that. And that is not what God intends for any of us. Our purpose, guys, our biggest purpose, if you want to know, I'm just going to give you the, the answer to the rest of this whole message series. So, I mean, you guys don't even have to show up for the next five weeks. Guys, our purpose, don't do that. Uh, our purpose is to glorify God. That is why we are here. That is the purpose. That is your purpose. That is my purpose. Our purpose is not to work until we're dead. Our purpose is not to make the bucks until we can buy our mansion or our boat or whatever else you guys can think of spending money on. Our purpose is not to get married and have kids. Our purpose is not to do any of those things. Our purpose is to glorify God. Now, here's the thing is that's a priority thing because having a good job and working hard for the Lord is great because you are glorifying God in your work. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand, glorifying God comes first not the hard work part. Having kids and a house and all those kinds of things, you can glorify God with having kids. You can glorify God with having a nice house. You can glorify God with how you raise your children, how you raise your home, guys. All of these things give God the glory. But here's the thing, is we have fooled ourselves into thinking that God needs our help, that God needs me to do something for him. And guys, don't fool yourself. God doesn't need any one of us. It's great that we're all here, and hopefully we all want to serve him, and hopefully we all want to glorify him, but he doesn't need you to accomplish his purposes. He will find somebody when Andrew Sherman dies and gets hit by a bus or whatever else happens to me, he will find someone to carry on his work. It doesn't die with me. And so don't fool yourself into thinking that you're the only one that can do the job that God wants you to do. God chose Saul in this moment. Saul decided that he wasn't going to do what God wanted to do. He was going to do what he thought man would want him to do. He was going to do what the people would want, and they would want all of these animals, and they would want all of the glory. And, and again, there's more selfishness and more pride in this, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Saul should have got, obeyed God fully and wiped out the Amalekites, but he thought he knew better. And guys, we all go through this. We all think that we know better at some point in life. I find it's the age of 17. 17 years old is when people just really feel like they know better than anybody else. I don't know why. It's, maybe I'm the only one here, but if you guys have teenagers, maybe you can tell me uh, what to look forward to in a few years. Uh, but that's just what I find. Uh, so there are many times that we want to do what we want to do, but God wants obedience. And anything less than obedience, guys, and this is key, anything less than obedience is disobedience. There's no middle ground here. There's, there's no like, oh, well, I was really trying. Nope, you, you didn't do what God asked, and so therefore it is not okay. Now, again, we live in grace, and I don't want you guys to think that like I'm sitting here pounding this legalistic attitude towards you guys and swinging the baseball bat. We definitely live under grace and praise Jesus for that grace because, guys, without it, we would be lost, utterly lost. Um, but we fool ourselves into thinking that there's going to be no consequences for me doing this. Whatever it is, me being disobedient to the will of God, uh, there's no consequences to that. And a lot of times we fool ourselves into thinking that because God is long-suffering. God is patient with us. God doesn't always drop the hammer on us because he is merciful, he is gracious, and he does love us. And so we fool ourselves into thinking that there will be no consequences. But most religions love this, guys. 
Most religions outside of evangelical Christianity love the idea of no consequences for our actions here on earth. Uh, so, like, Mormons, they believe in different layers of heaven. So, like, if you're a good person, you'll go to, like, layer number two. If you're, if you're a really bad person, you'll go to three. If you're a really, really bad person, you'll go to outer darkness. But then, if you're a really good Mormon that got married in the temple, you'll go to the first. It's tere uh, telestial, terrestrial, and uh, celestial. I don't know that that's the order. I think it's celestial, terrestrial, tele telestial, terrestrial. I know you guys care. Um, so, uh, the, the Buddhists, guys... Uh, the Buddhists believe in reincarnation. There, so there's no consequence for your action. As long as you're a good person, you'll be reincarnated. You'll be, you'll be born again as a fly, and hopefully you live that life as a fly the best you can so that you're a really good fly so that you can upgrade to a worm. And then you live that life as a worm really good, and then you upgrade to whatever. And the epitome is a cow, um, and that's why they, they worship cows. Um, and so uh, atheists... Guys, the, the religion of atheism, don't fool yourself if you are an atheist to think that that's not a religion. The religion of atheism thinks that nothingness happens after you die. So there's really no consequences to how I live my life here. I just die and go into nothingness. The circle of life. Uh, hakuna matata, whatever. Uh, even Roman Catholics, guys, and I'm not even saying that this is like a sinful type of religion, I don't want to get into that debate, but even Roman Catholics will believe in purgatory. So, like, it really doesn't matter if you live kind of a bad life. You want to live as good a life as you can here on earth, but even if you do live a little bit of a bad life, you'll go to purgatory and you can earn your way into heaven over thousands of years or hundreds of years if you're a really good person or, or whatever. So there's really no ultimate consequence, and other people want that out. Other religions, other people, people in general want an easy way out of punishment. Most of you guys' children won't volunteer to get grounded or to get a spanking uh, or whatever else. Most of your kids won't be like, oh, you know what? I've just been really bad lately. How about you ground me? Uh, most of them. There's some weird ones out there. But guys... <laughs> Understand that that is our nature, is we don't want the consequence of what we do. And Saul here wasn't just thinking of himself and all these things. He was thinking that there was going to be no consequence for disobeying God's order. But guys, this is our second point. There is a consequence to disobedience. In Saul's story, there's a consequence that we talked about later in, in the book of Esther, uh, there's a guy named uh, Haman. You guys might be familiar with the book of Esther. If you're not, come in. I think two weeks Rob is teaching on the book of Esther. And so Haman is actually a descendant of King Agag, whom Saul spared. So because, Psalm, or, <laughs> because Saul spared Agag, he was able to have a son, and his son was able to get away, and his son had descendants, and those descendants ended up being a guy named Haman, and if you don't know the book of Esther, I'm not going to give away the, all the secrets, but Haman tries to kill all of the Jews. He tries to kill all of them, and he almost gets away with it. And so there's absolutely a consequence to what Saul is doing here, and you kind of can see the reason why God wanted Saul to kill everyone, because the Amalekites become a mortal enemy of the Jewish people. And so God wanted him to deal with those people so they didn't have to have the thorn in the flesh, but they do because he didn't. 
We may think that we're getting away with it, but again, guys, God is long-suffering. And here's the thing. Even Galatians 6, 7 says this. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Guys, a lot of us think that we're getting away with our secret sin. A lot of us think that we're getting away with that disobedience, whatever it may be. And, and you guys know better than I do on what these things are. It's that little, that little thing in your heart that's saying, yep, you shouldn't be doing that right now. We think we get away with it because nobody sees. Or we hide it really well. Or even, even you know, you don't know me and you can't judge me. Well, no, I can't, but God can see your heart. And he can judge you. <laughs> and how will he judge you? Do not be mocked, or sorry, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. God also shows us, guys, a ton of mercy in that he doesn't always give us what we deserve. So even if you are struggling with that secret sin, you may not immediately see the effects of what the consequences of that are. I think about pornography a lot, not like in my off time or anything, but, but thinking about that particular sin, I think about how detrimental it is to a marriage. I think about how detrimental it is to a marriage, even when it's a single guy that's struggling with it, that hasn't been married yet, guys, a lot of that stuff carries over. Single girl, single guy, doesn't matter. It can carry over into the relationship, and it affects your marriage. I wish somebody had stopped me before I ever looked at anything inappropriate because it affects how I view my wife sometimes. It affects how we think. It affects how we talk sometimes. These sins that you think are secret and you're getting away with, guys, they have an effect on what's going on in your life. And they will have an effect in the future. Now, I don't believe in generational sin. In this kind of situation, it is interesting that the, that the guy that grew up decided to want to kill all the Jews as well. You guys can take, do, do, some, do some research on generational sin. I don't believe in it, but you guys can make up your own decision. Here's the thing is, Saul was not seeking a relationship with God when he, when he did these things. He was, he was trying to make his own name great. He was trying to be King Saul, the great mighty conqueror who brings all of the good things back to Israel. He was struggling with his pride, and this wasn't the first time, guys. If you think that God is being a little bit harsh in his judgment of Saul here, or Samuel, if you want to use him as a scapegoat. Guys, if you read chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, it started back then. The pride issue has been an issue for Saul for years. It was not something that was a one-off and, oh, he really screwed up. It was something that was becoming habitual. And so you guys need to understand that he was not in the right here. He was definitely in the wrong. He knew what he was doing was disobedience because God told him to wipe them all out, and he didn't. It's as simple as that. There are things that God tells us to do sometimes, guys, that are hard. Am I the only one? Like, somebody. just Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes God asks us to do hard things, but he expects us to be able to handle them because we are following him. It's not me that does it anyway, it's him. There's even a foolish thing to even think that Saul was the one who conquered the Amalekites. It was because God was there that Saul was even able to conquer the Amalekites. So giving God the glory that is due him is the bare minimum of what we should be doing. 
I need to be giving God the glory. That is my purpose. And I'm hoping to drive that into you guys' heads over the next few weeks as we talk about these things, is that your purpose, my purpose, our purpose is to give God the glory. Like, you got that good promotion that you really wanted at work? Give God the glory. You are, you know, able to retire early? Give God the glory. You had a great lunch the other day? Give God the glory. Guys, it doesn't matter how small or how great it is. God should be the one who is receiving the praise. Not me. And not you guys. Sorry. You guys are great. I don't want to worship any of you. Humility is required to be able to give God the glory. That is our third point, is that humility is required for this. God will not, and this is important, guys, and and it's harsh. There's going to be some harsh things that you guys might disagree with. If you do, uh, you can talk to me later. God will not put up with prideful men. He doesn't do it. The Bible talks often about pride, and we're going to go look through a lot of verses here, maybe not as many as I wanted looking at my time. But, guys, God does not put up with pride. It is laced throughout the scriptures that he abhors pride. He wants us to put others before ourselves. He wants us to prefer others before ourselves. He wants us to put his name above anything else in our lives. Anything else, guys, you name it. A lot of you are thinking like, oh, it's great, I'm here on Sunday morning and I'm, I'm not camping right now. Guys, God wants us to put him above camping. He wants us to put him above fishing. He wants us to put him above our kids and our, our spouses and everything else in our lives. He is prime. He is the one that we should be focused on. Now, in those things, yes, I take care of my family. Yes, I take care of my kids. Yes, I take care of the bills. Yes, I work my job. All of those things are within that umbrella. But guys, if I'm not seeking him first, then I'm missing the main point of why I have been created. Here, I want to I go, I want to go, oh, get out of here, fly. I want to go through a few verses just in the New Testament. We're going to try and cruise through some of these so you guys can follow if you want. These are just verses that uh, Paul wrote. Now, granted, Paul wrote um, like over half the New Testament, so maybe this isn't fair that I'm using Paul. But believe me, this is uh, more than just these verses that talk about these things. This is just Paul. So Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 10. And verse 10 says this, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. Uh, And again in verse 16, it says, uh, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you guys know this as the love chapter. Actually, probably all of you guys do. Uh, Verses 4 through 5 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, Uh, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, Let's go to Galatians. If you guys notice, I'm trying to go in... in, uh, not really chronological order, but in your Bibles, I'm just going to the right. Um, so Galatians chapter 5. We're running out of time. Here we go. We're going to cruise. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And again, in verse 26, he says... Uh, 
let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's skip ahead to uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2. And we're going to read uh, verse 3 first. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in love, uh, lowliness of mind let, let each esteem others better than himself. Uh, and again, uh, verses 5 through 8 uh, says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. These are just a few verses. I had more, but guys, I just don't have time today. These are just a few verses that talk about how we need to be humbling ourselves and going and preferring others before ourselves. Was Saul obedient unto death? No, he wasn't. And God wasn't even asking him to die. He was asking him to kill, which is similar. But Saul was not obedient unto death. And so that's the example that we have, guys, is Jesus Christ who was obedient to death. He was willing to go to the cross. Not any of us in this room, at least I hope not. If you are, then talk to me. But I, I believe not any of us in this room are being asked to die right now. A physical death. I don't believe that. If I'm wrong, you guys can talk to me afters, afterwards. Afters. He wants us to put others before himself. And here comes the, the next point. Without humility, it is impossible to be a follower of Christ. And that statement should shake us to our core. Christ gave us our example of how to be a good follower of Christ, of God, of the Holy One. Without humility, which was one of his key attributes, one of the key things that he gave to his disciples to follow him, without that, guys, I cannot be a follower of Christ. And I, I don't think, guys, we as a church, and I mean big C, not pathway, but I don't think we as a church do a great job of talking about what it means to have true humility. We put ourselves above everyone else, often. We put ourselves and our own interests above everyone else, often. We, we come back to church, and it's great that we're here on a Sunday, but this is not what church is, and the last seven-ish months have proven that, hopefully, to a lot of us, that this is not what church is. This, is. this is what we do on a Sunday morning, and it's great, and I missed it, and I hope you guys did too, and I hope you come back next week and not get mad at me, but this is not what we are as a church. This building, this room, guys, it is the people in here that we should be preferring above ourselves that make us the church and give us the opportunity to humble ourselves before God. So what does that mean? And I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up. Guys, I'm even on time. Just awesome. All right, so there's a little pat on the back. Don't be prideful. All right, so as the worship team comes up, we're going to talk about so what? What does this mean for us? Because, guys, there's a lot of scripture here that we didn't get to talk about. We didn't really talk about the fact that to obey is better than sacrifice, guys. God doesn't care about how much time you serve or what, how much money you give or any of those other things. He cares about are you obeying him? 
Now, there's aspects in service, and there's aspects in tithing, and all of those kinds of things that we do that absolutely personify or exemplify what it means to be a humble follower of Christ and to be obedient to what he has called us to do. But guys, let me ask you, are you being obedient? Are you humbling yourself? God has designed us for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify him. It's his purpose, not your purpose. He doesn't care about how important you are or how big your name is or who you are on this earth. He cares about your relationship with him. And if your relationship with him is just about a Sunday morning experience, then it is a religion. And God has zero interest in our religion. He doesn't care about what church we fly under as far as the banner. He doesn't care what building we meet in. He doesn't care about any of those things. He cares about how we are treating one another in love and humility and whether or not we are obeying him. Don't try to take situations into your own hands, but allow God to guide every step. And the consequence of that decision will be much better than if you try and bend his will to match yours. Not my will, but yours be done. Guys, it is not about what I want. We need to die to ourselves and humbly seek the Lord. We need to kneel at the foot of the cross and cry out to him, please take my pride. Humble me. Because, guys, without that, we can't even start to begin to follow him. Take time this week to cry out to the Lord. Take time to ask him to humble you and see what amazing things he can do with a person that is willing to be used for his purposes and not their own. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for who you are. I pray, Lord, that you would be in our hearts and, Lord, that we would be convicted by these words, that we would not be a people that focuses on whether or not we have a fancy building or whether or not we have fancy cars or whether or not we have a good job or whatever, but, Lord, that we would be focused on just humbly seeking you and being at your feet. Lord, I thank you that we're back at church. I thank you so much that we get to gather once again. Lord, even if it is a little weird and a little bit different, Lord, that's okay. Different is okay. Lord, I thank you that we get to as we're about to sing, we get to stand in your love and we get to enjoy what it means to be a true follower of Christ, what it means to be a person that is 100% fully devoted to you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us this morning, even the people who aren't really listening right now, Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts. Help us to see you better. We love you, we thank you, and we praise your name. Amen. Amen.